0: Good morning, thank you to the worship team for leading us in those great words. Take your Bibles and open to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Um, this is the next to last time that I'll be preaching as the senior pastor of Glenwood Community Church. Uh, next week we have the annual meeting and someone else, Ben, will preach and then on the 3rd of March, I'll preach the the last sermon in, in this capacity or role. And then uh, December 10th, we have the gathering. We have the gathering of those who want to uh, thank uh, appropriately uh, Nancy and me. She's also retiring. Uh, there'll be a, a transition time where I'll do... Th- sermons i 'll do services, funerals on the eighth and the fifteenth, and Nance will help as far as the transitions with with student ministries on the tenth in the morning. Uh, Brian Martin will be joining us, so Brian will be preaching on March tenth so you guys will have a blast with that and getting to know Brian Dana. Uh, It looks like we'll be able to make it, and she'll be with him, so that'll give you time to engage them. Then there'll be a reception after the event on that Sunday afternoon. Uh, Some experiences in life are a surprise, and others are not. And some consequences are expected, and other consequences are hoped for and never experienced. That's what we find in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, says, Luke, this meticulous historian, as he lands this sermon on the plain that Jesus has just delivered. It's a counterpart to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus speaks as well. And if we have time this morning, we may go back to Matthew chapter 7. But here in Luke chapter 6, we find Jesus in a, a hinge verse. It is foundational. It's foundational to everything that he said before. And it is foundational to everything that he says afterwards. It's the beginning of their ministry. At the beginning of their understanding. They're just starting to figure out who this Jesus is. Sometimes they even wonder what title to call him. And and how majestic is this title. And they don't know how great he is and how wonderful he is. Last week, uh, my daughter was, she is, she's actually here this morning to verify everything that I'm about to say. Um, she's in grad school. And she was completing an assignment. And she asked me to describe my spiritual legacy from my side of the family or or formation. And I, as I answered her question when I was completely done, I I, I thought, that's my sermon. I didn't tell her that. But that's what my sermon is. Uh, my grandfather, Ferguson, his dad was in Glasgow a bricky. He laid bricks. And after he laid bricks, he went to the pub. And my grandmother, in an effort to get him out of the pub, she began to drink with him at home. So my grandfather Ferguson grew up in an unchurched home, an unbelieving home in the poorest of the poor part of Glasgow, Scotland, just as World War I was beginning. But my grandfather had a lovely tenor voice. And so he was invited to go to this event that was hosted by a church that came into the slum, and the organist also had a lovely voice, and they met. And she would become my grandmother. So my grandfather came to Christ at this event. My grandmother already knew Christ. Her parents weren't thrilled about my grandfather. They got married right away. Because my grandfather had joined the Royal Scots. And he was sent off to the front. And to the disapproval of my Great-grandparents, they were married. Grandpa went in September as the lowest possible enlisted rank. And by December, he was a king sergeant in the Royal Scots, which was the highest possible enlisted rank. Uh, Twice his platoon was buried alive, and he was the only one who survived. He was wounded. The front was absolutely brutal. He was in the front. He described rats as big as cats. He said you had to figure out how to hang up your food so they wouldn't get at it, get it your food. Uh, you, you got foot rot. You got all kinds of fungal issues that humanity didn't even know. You had fleas and lice and all kinds of stuff and it was wet and it was muddy up to your knees. And he lived. For two years after the war, he was in a hospital for what they then called shell shock. And so they had five years of marriage before they were together as husband and wife. So whenever he got out of the hospital and he couldn't find a job, they immigrated to the United States. And they went through Ellis Island. Their names, the name of their ship, is there to this day. They went past the Statue of Liberty. And they found a a new home. They went as far west as they could. They went to Orange County, California. Meanwhile, in Texas and Oklahoma, my father was formed. His parents, my grandmother... They were farmers. My grandmother's dad was a lawman in the Oklahoma Territory. My grandfather was one of those who probably ran from the law in Oklahoma Territory. Uh, My grandfather, who was a lawman, he, he didn't want his daughters to have anything to do with the Jackson boys. Well... His oldest daughter and one of the Jackson boys ended up at what's called the Brush Arbor. It was an event where somebody proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at age 16 and 18, they came to know Jesus Christ. Legit, real, rock solid. So they became followers of Christ. And then they moved west, as far west as they could go, all the way to the Imperial Valley. So now you have positioned my family one in the Imperial Valley, one in Orange County, and my dad and my mom would go to Biola College and they would meet and they would marry. They would have kids. What I neglected to say in my spiritual formation is that my parents and grandparents, they moved in A block away from the church. In Imperial. And the pastor was a guy named Dr. Elmer Wilder. Who eventually became a chaplain at OHSU. And my aunt was a baby. And she got very sick. And while she was very sick. The pastor's wife. Mrs. Wilder. Came over and stayed up with her all night. And she soaked toast in milk, and she let the baby soak on the toast. She did that night after night after night, and Dr. and Mrs. Wilder had a pivotal, incredible, uh, extraordinary influence in all of the Jackson kids and the Jackson grandkids, So that by the time I came to Western Seminary and Dr. Mary Wilder, who's got a great book, Dust and Devotion, the memoir of a missionary doctor in Pakistan. Mary is a fantastic woman. Been in our house. We've been in hers. She taught me how to use a speed bag. I mean, she could outdo Muhammad Ali. She was phenomenal. When she ended up going to med school, she broke the glass ceiling at OHSU. And then, then she went over to a place that was so biased against women in the nation of Pakistan, where she ministered to women who were oppressed, who were hurt. And she did that for decades. And this is her book. Dust and devotion. Well, as I grew up, I Mary was a legend. Mrs. Wilder was a legend. Every place that our family moved somehow was touched by Elmer Wilder. I ended up at Western Seminary. Mary was on staff at Western Seminary. And at my graduation, my parents were there. And the guest of honor, Mrs. Wilder who fed my aunt and stayed up all night. So two weeks ago, Nancy and I were at my brother's 50th anniversary and we were up north and one of my sibs got a phone call and it was from my Aunt Rowena and here she is, the last surviving Jackson and she's further north and she's on the phone and I think, you know what? Mrs. Wilder, fed you toast soaked in milk. That's spiritual formation. That's legacy. That's a simple act. That's how you build a house to last which is our subject this morning as we come to the end of the words of Jesus Christ. This isn't anything overly complex. This is a simplicity that results in an action of obedience to the God of the Bible as spoken in and through his son, Jesus Christ. And so now we come to Luke chapter 6. We have these closing words in chapter 6. And I read verses 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep in a foundation and on the rock, and when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who was heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. These verses... They look back to what Jesus has just said. They look forward to what Jesus will say. They look back to the takeaway from the earlier parts of the sermon. That there is hope. There is hope for the poor and the hungry and the, and the downtrodden. That those who have received mercy extend mercy. My spiritual legacy. My grandparents invited my grandfather's parents into the home to live with them. Granny was blind. She chewed snuff. She believed in Jesus. Granddad died at age 98. He Chewed tobacco. They slept in the master bedroom. Grandma every morning would go out and she would lay newspaper out by the hearth and put a red Folgers can, freshly washed and cleaned. Then Granddad would come out with his cane and he would sit down on the hearth and he would chew tobacco and he'd spit in that can. Morning to night. Now, he he could have made a a good basketball player um, because he was mostly made the can. But every night, Grandma would go in and and she would clean up that can. And then she would take him to bed. And the last thing she did at night, I saw this. She'd be kneeling beside his feet, clipping his toenails. Every night. Single night. That's how you build a house. That's what mercy is. Granddad, you walk too close, he could smack you with his cane. He, he was mean, but not my grandfather, not my grandmother. And so you see that mercy, that transformation, that's how you build a legacy, that's how you build a house. Followers of Jesus look at themselves in the light of Jesus, which means honest and humble and openly. We see that the follower of Jesus and the words of Jesus bring the fruit of Jesus so that the follower of Jesus increasingly becomes like Jesus and so that the follower of Jesus builds life on life. Our life on his life. That's to build on the rock. So, how do we build on the rock? A couple years ago, a woman who lived in Laguna Beach heard what sounded like a, a big car crash. And then there was a noise that sounded like a bomb going off, and then she looked out her window and And saw dozens of people running down the street. And one of them screamed at her. The whole mountain came down. And it it did. A massive landslide. That completely trashed. 28. Multi-million dollar homes. Nobody seriously hurt. Everyone breathed a sigh of relief. That they made it out alive. And then people began to play pin the tail on the donkey and they try to find out who or what to blame. And most people blame the storm and, and they qualified to receive financial help from FEMA because experts attributed the landslide to recent storms that dropped a lot of rain and created rivers of water that seeped into fissures and it cracked way underground, eroded the dirt, gravity did its thing, the whole hillside collapsed. But some people didn't blame the storms. They instead blame the city of Laguna Beach for issuing permits. In the words of one critic for, quote, wantonly handing out building permits for homes on 50 degree slopes. Others blamed the people who built their home on a steep slope just uphill from another major landslide that had occurred 27 years prior to this one. Sometimes. All a storm does is reveal the kind of choice the builder and everyone associated with it makes. It reveals the foolishness, the risk, or the wisdom. Why would you build an expensive home on a steep slope just uphill from another landslide? You think there might be risk involved? You think the ground is stable? So when the storm comes, the storm reveals the wisdom quotient of those who built the home. So that is the word picture that that Jesus uses to describe a a human life. A. A life of choices, a life of measuring risk and wisdom and faith and obedience and stepping out in ways that are right and good. And that's the building project that Jesus here describes. He ends his sermon. This is the last movement of the sermon on the plane. He will go on to say much more. But he says, listen to me. You'll be glad you did. In contrast, ignore his words to your own hurt. Reject the teachings of Jesus and sooner or later you'll find out how wrong you were to ignore Jesus. Go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 is... In the words of somebody who came to first things, he used the word ominous. And I thought that is a, a really appropriate word. Because in a very similar account. In Matthew chapter seven. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day. And what's that day? That day is a day yet future. This is eschatological. This is, in other words, you may like your house for now. You may like where it's perched. You may like all the niceties and all the pretty things. You may love your life. But this is a day yet future. It's it's judgment when we will account to God for who we are and for what we've done. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So here they fold into the name of Jesus. Now they've said, Lord, twice to refer to him as you are my king. I will do what you want me to do the rest of my life. Verse 23. And then I will declare to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Then you have the story again. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fail or fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them. You see the transaction. Do we hear? Do we act? When we hear, do we say yes to the words and way of Jesus? Do we say no to the words and way of Jesus? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain came and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. To hear. To act. Jesus loves us so much, he says what is right for us. He tells us what is best for us. He wants our best interest at heart. We're going to experience storms at every season and every place of life so that you have a baby and you hold the baby in your arms and you thank God for this child. And now you need wisdom. You need God's wisdom in how to build a home and how to build a life and how to raise this child in ways that are right and good and Then your child grows up and you hand the child the car keys and then you pray for them as they drive out your driveway and then they meet somebody. And there is a storm waiting around every corner. How do you build a life that will be resilient, a life that will laugh last? To hear the words of Jesus Christ. From A to Z. From Genesis to Revelation, to hear the words of Jesus Christ and to say yes to Him. Whatever we know of who He is, what He says, through the power of the Spirit of God who dwells within the follower of Jesus Christ. If we want to build to last, then we inhale, we absorb, we soak up the words and the kingdom values of Jesus Christ. That we would imitate him. As we saw in Luke 6, 36 and 7, that we would be merciful just as our Father is merciful. And then this whole judgment thing that Ben talked about last week has become a favorite of a lot of people Who don't believe in Jesus. Who say, don't judge, because if you judge, you're intolerant. Well, Jesus judges. He judges fully. He is informed in his judgment. The judgment that Jesus is here talking about is that judgment where you and I... Self-elevate. We got a log in our eye. We think we're better than other people, and we want to correct what's wrong with them without correcting what what is clearly wrong with us. It's the kind of judgment you find in Luke chapter eighteen. We're not going to turn there, but you got two people, and they're both at the temple, and they both look like they're worshiping, and one guy is superior, and he's looking over here at this poor guy, saying, "I thank God I am not like that guy." That's judgment. That's judgment. No broken person is beyond the redemption that God offers in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. But make no mistake, it is in and through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus alone is sufficient for our forgiveness and our redemption. Sometimes we judge. Talk with people who are divorced. Ask if they ever feel judged in a Christian context. Of course they do. You don't know their story. You don't know what happened. The Lord does. He is fully informed in his judgments, and he is also the one who is merciful. That's why this sermon is so combustive. It's it's just amazing. And how easy is it for us to, to make authoritative judgments based on partial information? Judgment belongs to God. Condemnation belongs to God. He will judge. Redemption belongs to God. He does redeem and he redeems in and through his son, Jesus Christ. He is generous in the giving of his own son who would live our life and who would die our death, be raised to life. Jesus tells us that we are to fix our own mess before we jump all over the messes of others. This this one time I I got this horrific headache and I, I thought something was in my eye but I couldn't find anything in my eye. I just had an MRI and right after the MRI... I, I I have this horrific headache, and so I went to the eye doctor, and I made his day. I mean, he looked in my eye, and it was like, oh, wow, this is cool. <laughs> I had a piece of metal stuck in my cornea. <laughs> and it, it had come from my childhood. When I used to weld, and I, I used to use a grinder, and somehow I... I got this piece of metal in my eye and now I go in for a magnetic resonance and it pulls out this piece of metal and then it hurts. And the eye doctor, he plucks it out. And I thought, whoa, that's a big one. (laughs) That's what it's like. You got this thing in your eye. And you don't even know it. And you've got to go in and have a massive magnet kind of extract it. And then you've got to go in to your eye doctor. And your eye doctor, he says, wow, this is cool. And he pulls out the piece of metal. So followers of Jesus, we can be honest about our own stuff. And we can address our own stuff. And we can fold in to people that we want to be like. You, you want teachers. You guys are going to be making choices in the coming months and years. As to who's going to have voice up here. Who's going to have voice in, in your world and in your life. And you, you you really do want to scope these people. You want to know. You want to know with the boots on the ground those who work and who serve those who know them best because you're going to draw to them. You're going to support them. Do you want to be like them? And that's how you build on the rock. So I'm cleaning out my office and it doesn't look like it but I am. So, I have all these VHS tapes that I have never watched. So, I had to ask for some help and now I have a television in my office with VHS tapes and I have spent the last week watching them. And uh, some of them are, are sad. Like my grandfather's funeral. And I I was the Main Speaker, and I had forgotten this, but the morning of the funeral, I still had not written my comments. I didn 't know what to say. So I got up at four thirty, and I knew Grandma was up, and I drove the two miles out to her house, and she already had coffee on, and that 's just how she lived. And I greeted her, and then I sat down and I didn't say anything. I just listened. And she spoke for quite a while about my grandfather. And then she says, "Paul, I didn't need to say anything to other people about him. He lived what he believed. He was a real. Man, he followed Jesus Christ fully from the heart. And then she closed with this sentence. He really, really loved me. And everybody knew it. That's what it means to hear and then to do. So that actions speak. And that's what it looks like to build your house on the rock. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your many kindnesses to us. Thank you for those who have heard your word. I ask that you would encourage them, that you would inspire them, that your spirit would be so active in drawing them to love you, that their families would be blessed because of their love for you, that they would indeed build their house on the rock that is Jesus Christ and on the words that he shares so clearly with us. In the name of Jesus, amen.